0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. You have your Bibles, turn to the book of James. We are in this series called The Choice is Right. The Choice is Right. As you're turning to the book of James, let me read this to you. came across this this week a pastor and a worship leader, they weren't really getting along. They were kind of fighting and fussing and it started to spill over into the services. So one week, the pastor preached on being willing to change. Afterwards, the worship leader got up and sang, I shall not be moved. The next Sunday, he preached on giving and the worship leader sang, Jesus paid it all. The next week, he preached on gossip. Then the worship leader led, I love to tell the story. Pastor was just so frustrated, he saw no other choice but to resign. He told the congregation, he said, Jesus brought me here, now Jesus is taking me away. Then the worship leader got up and sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. Hey, just to clarify, I have a great relationship with Doug, our worship pastor. We're getting along really well. And I am excited about this new worship album that's going to be released in just a couple of weeks. Come on, put your hands together. In this series, we've covered some good ground. I think two weeks ago, we talked about where's your squad. We talked about the the, the need for relationships and having the right people in your life. Proverbs says, when you walk with the wise, you become wise wise. And so we challenge you to step up and to host small groups. And some of you have have done that. And and I'm so grateful that you're tracking along through daily devotionals and then some of the questions that we're offering on Sundays for discussion in your small group. Uh, Last week if you were here we talked about the secret sauce of decision-making. I don't know if you remember that, the secret sauce, and we we discussed the fear of the Lord. Um, In the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear topics like hearing the voice of God, and then we're also going to finish with overcoming bad decisions, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, The the topic today is we're going to go through a checklist of choices. This is the the choices checklist, and we're going to kind of mirror this off of an old game show, And, and I say it's old, but it's still current as well, The Family Feud, okay? The, how many of you seen The Family Feud? Oh yeah, how many of you grew up with The Family Feud? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And so we've surveyed 100 people. Not really. But we've surveyed 100 people. And the top five answers are on the board, okay? 100 people survey. Top five answers on the board. And the question that we're going to try to answer today is simply this. How do you know you're making the right choice? How do you know? And some of you are making important decisions right now. Uh, some of you are making some small decisions, but you've understood that even big doors open on small hinges. How many of you know the little things mean a lot? And and so, uh, this is so appropriate, so valuable. If I were to ask you, what are your top five things? How do you know you're making the right choice? How many of you would say that somewhere along the line, wisdom needs to play a part of it? Okay, well, let's go and see. Did the survey say wisdom? Come on, pray for wisdom. James chapter one, verse five, the Bible says this, if you need wisdom, turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, somebody say generous. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and what's going to happen? He will give it to you. He's not going to rebuke you for asking because he knows that you need it. Can I have a good amen? amen. You see, let me give you quick thoughts about wisdom uh, under this first point. And really, five simple thoughts. The first is this. Number one, we need it. You need wisdom. Now, I know you're good, but even on your best days, you're going to make a bad choice. Uh, You know, I've always said this, and I've heard it, and I think it's true. You either were a mess, you are a mess, or you're one bad decision away from making a mess. Aren't you glad God knows our propensity to mess things up? In fact, his plan was to send Jesus. He knew the whole reason why Jesus came to earth was because you and I couldn't clean up what we've messed up. So when it comes to wisdom, number one, we need it. But the good thing, number two, is we can ask for it. You know you need it, and he's not going to rebuke you when you ask him for it. I'm so thankful that when we ask God for what we need, he is generous to give us exactly that. Aren't you glad that when you pray for wisdom, he doesn't say, well, now, wait a second. Didn't you ask me that same thing just yesterday? Aren't you glad that God's not up in heaven rationing out wisdom because it's in short supply? Man, how many of you, you used all of yesterday's wisdom up and you need a fresh batch today? Yay, Lord. See, listen, we need it. Watch this. We can ask for it. i tell you this about wisdom. Number three, we are blessed by it. You know, wisdom has the potential to bless your life like nothing else. You know, some of the things that you've been believing God for, maybe as it relates to your job or a future spouse or, you know, uh, a level of income or whatever it is that you're asking or believing God for. If God were to give that to you, but you didn't have the wisdom to steward it well, how many of you know that what was meant to bless you will actually hurt you? Okay, how many thinks that getting like $10 million would be a great day? Only three people. My, 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 my. Have you seen those documentaries of people that win like the Powerball? And that they get like, you know, $250 million and they think it's the best day of their life, Right. But if you don't have the wisdom to steward $250 million, come on, talk to me, that that blessing will eventually become a curse. I've seen documentaries where people say, you know, I thought that was the best day of my life, but really it was awful. My life began to fall apart. Why? Because you didn't have the wisdom to steward what you were asking for. Come on, smile at me today. Listen, when it comes to wisdom, praying for wisdom, we need it, we can ask for it, we are blessed by it. Listen to this, we can grow in it. Do you know you can grow in your capacity to experience and express wisdom? The Bible says in Luke 2, 42, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Guess what? God wants to give you more wisdom so you can be blessed with everything it is that he wants to give you. Don't you dare make decisions simply based out of emotions, out of feelings, circumstances, or even what you see. There's an unseen thing called wisdom. Last week, we talked about the fear of the Lord, and that's the beginning of wisdom. I'm so glad that when it comes to making choices, The first place to start, number one, we can pray for wisdom. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Okay, let's see what else is on the board. What about, okay, how do I know if I'm making a right choice? What about happiness? Should we take a look at happiness? Let's see if making right choices is based on my happiness. Survey says, (laughs) what? Now, this may surprise some people. But how many of you know God is more concerned with your holiness than He is your happiness? Is it safe to say the God who created you knows you better than you know yourself? Sometimes we think we know what's going to make us happy, and really in that pursuit of happiness, we get sad fast, fast. How many have small kids? And they think what's going to make them happy is to eat all of their Halloween candy that night. If I could just eat all the candy in my basket, I'll be happy. And as a parent, we know you're not eating all that tonight. You think it's going to make you happy. Guess what? It's going to make you sad. And I wonder if sometimes God says the same thing. Now, wait a second. You think this relationship's going to make you happy. Mmm, come on, hum at me right now. Oh, if I could just have that hunk of hunk of burning love. Mm, 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 mm. And God said, wait, wait, wa- wa- watch out now. Don't pursue happiness, pursue holiness. If you pursue holiness, happiness is a byproduct of that. Are you with me? And and this this really flies counterculture to the world that we live in. Some people think that religion is a bondage. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I don't want God telling me what to do. Nobody can make me happy but me. I'll decide what makes me happy. And you know what? That mentality creates a lot of hurt, a lot of heartache. You know when the Bible says, you know, thou shalt not? You know what God's saying? When he says thou shalt, whatever that is. When he's saying, Thou shalt not, whether it's sex outside of marriage, sex before marriage, um, whether it's uh, jealousy, materialism, greed, when God says, Thou shalt not, you know what he's doing? He's saying, Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. I've set some boundaries in place so you won't get hurt. You know, when God says, Thou shalt, you know what he's saying? Help yourself to happiness. And how many of you know God knows the best? I don't think it's based on happiness. What about motives? The why behind the what? Let's check. How do I know I'm making the right decisions? Let's see if a motive check makes the board. Motive check. Motive check. Motive is a big deal. Motive is everything. It's not just what we do, but it's why we do it. Have you discovered that sometimes you can inadvertently do the wrong thing, but if your heart is right, God still blesses you? How many of you know that you can do the right thing, but if your motive is wrong, God is nowhere near it? Come on now. Look, when Rachel and I were dating many, 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 many moons ago, dated for four years, we've been married for 23 years. That girl's been putting up with me for 27. Come on. Lord, just bless this girl. Thank you. When we were dating, I would show up at her church. And it wasn't because I liked the pastor. I'd show up to her church, and I was dressed to the nines. Man, my hair was in place. I brushed my teeth. I'd wear a suit back in the day. I remember I would wear this purple suit from head to toe. I had this little skinny purple tie. Man, I had this double-breasted suit. I had pleated. They were pleated and cuffed. Come on, how many members of those days? and shoes with some tassels on. Had the little bling. You walk around like, hey, hey, what's happening I go strolling up into church and Rachel be like, baby, you look like a grape. (laughs) I didn't care what her pastor said. Only thing I wanted him to say is, listen, why don't you just reach over and take your neighbor by the hand? And we would connect in church and it was the power of God. I was in the right place. How many knows going to church is a good thing? But my motive was wrong. Come on now. I probably didn't get a whole lot out of the sermon, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, sometimes when we, we do good things, and I'm all about doing good deeds, but we got to be careful that we're not ringing the bell saying, look at my good deed. Jesus said, when you give, you don't have to make an announcement. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Come on. That's what I love about when you give the tithe. Man, you're just giving anonymously. Nobody's making an announcement. Oh, pastor, I've got a check. And I want you to know where it came from. No, no, we're giving unto the Lord. Man, when we're fasting. Hey, I want to tell all of my Facebook friends... Got to be careful that we don't do what we do for the approval of others. We do it for the glory of God. Look at what the Bible says in James 4, verse 3. And even when you do ask, you don't get it. Why? Because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Somebody say, my, 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 my. You see, the decisions that we're making, not only do we have to pray for wisdom, but we've got to check our hearts. God, what is the, the motivation for me to take this job? What's the motivation for me to get into this relationship? God, what's the motivation for this decision? Is it for my pleasure, or Lord, is it to bring you glory? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, so, so how, are we, how are we to know that we're making right choices? We look at the board, pray for wisdom. We do a motive check. How many thinks we should probably do some analysis, like counting the cost? Let's see if counting the cost made the board. Survey says count the cost. I know this is a a phrase that may sound super religious, but let's make this as as practical as possible. One of the things I think we need to include when it comes to the choices we make is common sense. You know, we live in a day where common sense seems to be absent in a lot of things. Wow! Wow! You you look at what's what's happening in our culture and you're thinking, somebody kidnapped common sense. Whatever happened to the days of applying common sense to the problem? You know, when there's a problem to be solved, and and I want to say this because I know I'm talking to church folk, I know we're spiritually minded, but please hear me. The Holy Spirit and common sense go together. They're not mutually exclusive you have to do some common sense analysis and you have to consider what are the pros, what are the cons? And I, I hear this a lot, You know, people get excited uh, about things and, and I know that God will drop a seed of a dream in your heart and there's a lot of energy and ambition uh, and I, we celebrate that here. I, I believe that, that the church should be the incubator for supernatural dreams. Somebody get excited, though, and they say, you know what, Pastor, I believe God has called me to the mission field. I just want to spend the rest of my life caring for orphans. And I get excited about that, but then I look at their life and say, wait a second, you don't even like your own kids. (laughs) Come on, talk to me. Man, you always complaining about your children, and you want to move halfway around the world and take care of kids that don't have nobody? How many thinks common sense would say start at home before you move to Africa? You can be a missionary all the way around the world, but you don't have to cross the sea. You just got to see the cross. And it starts with the people that have your last name. Come on somebody. Oh, it's easy to love somebody else's kids and God's saying, baby, I've given you your own. How about you just give the love? Start right there. And if you can do that well, then we'll see where else you can spread that love. Common sense. Come on, somebody. All right, hear this. You know, people say, oh, pastor, if I could just get a job on staff at Healing Place Church, that is the ultimate. That's my dream. I will never have another problem. If I could just work for you, Pastor Mike. Oh, wow. Can I I help some people out? It's the difference between going to Disney and working at Disney. Are you with me? Man, Disney's so clean. I mean, as soon as somebody drops some trash on the ground, I mean, in two seconds, it's gone. Guess what? Somebody got to pick up that trash. And they're not riding the princess rides. They're waiting for you to make a mess so they can clean it up. Come on now. But I love Disney. Shouldn't working for Disney be amazing? I love the church. Shouldn't working for church be amazing? Truth, okay? I want to give you some truth. Being on church staff is one of the easiest places to backslide. You say, Mike, what are you talking about? Because you turn God into a job. Right? Now we're clocking in. Are you with me? And wait a second. You want to come work at the church? You haven't held a steady job in the secular market, and God's saying, wait a second, demonstrate responsibility first. Here's a a thought, and Jesus said in Luke 16, 10, he that is faithful in that which is little is faithful also in much. But he that is unjust in that which is little is unjust also in much." Here's what Jesus is saying. Now look at me. I'm smiling. I'm I'm not angry. I'm happy. I I, I like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. If you're not responsible with the little that you have, why would God give you more to be irresponsible with? Common sense. Please don't kidnap common sense. You know, these guys that say, oh, well, God told me that I'm going to marry you. Ladies, if a guy comes up and says, God told me that I'm going to marry you because you're so fine. Here's what you tell him. Say, yeah, I'm so fine. I am just fine without you. I tell my daughters this all the time, listen, I know eventually you are going to get married. When you start dating at about 45 years of age, let me tell you how this is going to work. I want you to marry Steady Eddie. Uh-huh. Stay away from Sexy Steve. Come on, somebody. How many you know Sexy has a shelf life? Oh, he better be steady. He better be responsive. Now, listen, if your name's Steve, we love you. Everybody say, God bless. Steve, nothing against you, Steve. You may be sexy and all of that, praise God for it, but we want you to be solid. We want you to be steady in your relationship with the Lord. Come on. If he doesn't know how to love God, how will he ever know how to treat you? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. She'll be like, wow, wow, I feel sorry for pastor's daughters. Ooh. Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. Count the, don't begin the project until you count the cost, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Can I have a good amen? And sometimes when it comes to your calculations, I want you to know this, there are a lot of hidden fees that they don't tell you about up front. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing, man, the little subliminal, slide this in. You think the cost is X, but it's really X plus Y times Z. And when you see the bottom line, you're thinking, where in the world did this come from? Count the cost. Apply common sense. This is not just feel-good decisions. Check this out. After God made Adam, God said, you know what, Adam? I'm going to give you a helpmate. She's going to be called woman. She'll be your friend. She's gonna cook for you. She'll clean your home. She'll be kind and gentle. She's gonna be your helper. Adam, whenever you argue, she's always gonna be the first to admit that you're right. Adam said, Wow, God, that's awesome. Well, what's it gonna cost me? He said, An arm and a leg. Adam said, What can you give me for a rib? I'm teasing. It's my rib right there. I love that girl. Let me tell you this as it relates to counting the cost. Patience. Write that down somewhere. Write down the word patience, 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 patience. Patience is a weapon against deception. You see, when it comes to making big decisions, the devil wants you to get in a hurry. Because when you're in a hurry, things get blurry. He doesn't want you to see the fine print. He doesn't want you to see the finish line of your choices. He only wants you to see what's right in front of you. Patience is a weapon against deception. And the devil would love to do everything he can to cloud your vision so you don't have accurate information. How many of you know if you don't have good info, you're making important decisions off of bad information. Yeah, so. ever, ever, has anybody ever had buyer's remorse? You ever had buyer's remorse? Man, you know what? It feels good to go get a car, doesn't it? Drive that thing off the lot. Man, you're just feeling good. Yes, indeed. You know what's painful? is that first payment. <laughs> and you get that payment book and you're like, oh, wow. You see... The enemy doesn't want you to see the finish line. That's why you've got to count the cost. I'm glad when Rachel and I got married, I told her, I said, baby, look, I didn't come with a receipt. There is no return policy here. All sales are final. Can I have a good amen? Okay, let's see. Where are we in the board? Okay, praying for wisdom, doing a motive check counting the cost. What else? What what else is an indicator that we're making the right choice? What if, what if all of our friends agree? Let's just say we put it out there on Facebook and all of our Facebook friends agree. Is that on the board? What does Facebook have to say about this choice? Oh man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, if you ask a hundred different people You're probably going to get a hundred different responses. What's more important than the opinions of others, I think, is number four. Check this out. I think this is so important. Number four, what about the peace of God? Did the peace of God make the survey? Oh, this is important. This is super important. And, and, and And the reason why that counting the cost and the peace of God are together, I want you to see this. Counting the cost is the common sense approach, which we have to do. But then we also have to apply the peace of God to the equation. And here's why. Because as you list your pros and your cons, as you kind of do all the diagnostics and you weigh the good things and, and the not so good things about this choice, you may look at that list and it may have a whole lot of things that are good about it. And only one or two things that are bad. And according to the list, it should be a go. If it all makes sense on the list, common sense would say go. But watch this. If you don't have peace. Now sometimes God will use that that trouble, that that disturbance in your soul as a warning sign. You don't know what's wrong, but you just know something's wrong. If it looks good on paper, but you don't have a peace, don't do it. But when I watch this, if it doesn't make sense on paper, but you have the peace of God. Are you with me? Follow the peace. Now, when I'm talking about peace, I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about something supernatural. It's a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. Peace is an indication that the Holy Spirit is present. And when I'm talking about the peace of God, I'm not talking about the things of this world. How many of you know that you can't get the peace of God from the things of this world? That's a lot like trying to buy a Rolls Royce at Walmart. Right? It's not in stock, right? They don't carry it. The the things of this world know very little. I'll say absolutely nothing about the peace of God. Look at what Colossians 3.15 says, and I love the Amplified Version. The Bible says, and let the peace... The soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule or act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state. Now, let me just stop right there and say this. Do you notice the metaphor that's being used here? The Bible is comparing the peace of God to an umpire. How many has ever played baseball or softball? Yeah, you ever played sports? They even have an umpire in football. They have referees. They have officials. When you're playing sports, let's just say in a baseball game, a call is made. You don't like the call. Have you seen those games where like the the, the manager runs out of the dugout, and he gets like nose to nose with that umpire, and they're saying a lot of words, and none of them are love? Come on, somebody. And man just spitting and saying bad stuff, and, and the, the, the manager's kicking dirt on, on home plate and just going crazy. Listen, the umpire has the final say. He calls ball or strike, fair or foul, safe or out. Now, there is this thing called instant replay, right? After further review, instant re- Now we have instant replay to help the umpires out. After further review, You know, the the ruling on the field, it's still determined that the refs are are against the New Orleans Saints. Come on, somebody. It's amazing we we, we gotta beat the Rams and the refs. I'm not bitter, I'm not bitter. Doesn't matter what the coaches or players think, the umpire has the final say. And this verse says, let the peace which comes from Christ rule as an umpire. This is important because as you apply common sense, then you need to come back around and say, Lord, where is my peace? Now, let me give this to you. I got to say this quickly. I graduated in 96 with a degree in computer science, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I'd spent four years in college, and the only reason why I was pursuing a computer science degree was because I was wanting to make me some money Man, if I can't figure it out, at least I'm going to be rich trying to figure it out. But you know what? My heart wasn't in it. I started to lead this Bible study with some of the guys on the basketball team. And and so I found that, man, I was, I felt fully alive as I'm, I'm doing this Bible study. I was playing college ball. My heart wasn't in that. I was about to graduate with a degree in computer science. I didn't want to sit behind a keyboard for the rest of my life. And I'm beginning to, I'm troubled. What is my next step? All the professors were saying, Mike, you're the brightest student in the department. Man, you need to go into the computer field. You need to write programming, do software. This is the the beginning of this information boom. And you you could really get in on the front of it. My my, my parents, they said, Mike, you've been studying for four years. It just makes sense. Guess what? I didn't have peace. You know what I did? I called my pastor. I said, Pastor Dino, I don't know what to do with my life. I've got this degree in computer science, but I'm loving this, what I'm sensing in this Bible study. I may be called to ministry. What do I need to do? He said, you know what, Mike? We're about to start a church in South Baton Rouge. It's a healing place for a hurting world. When he said that, you know what I felt? Instantly, I felt the peace of Jesus. Now, guess what? My professors were not in agreement. My parents had different thoughts of what I needed to do. And I'm not saying you defy wisdom, but I am saying this, you better follow the peace. Now, the jury's still out. Did I make the right decision? I don't know. Heaven knows. I hope you guys feel like I made the right decision. But if you'll follow the peace, you'll never live in pieces. Hear me? See, the devil wants you to live in pieces, but God says, no, I want to give you peace. Trevor, when he was playing T-ball, when he first got started playing here at the church, he would hit the ball and he would run to first base, and the first thing he'd do is he would look for his dad. He'd get on first and he would look at me and I would look at him and I would give him a thumbs up. Because he was wanting to know, Daddy, did I do good? And if he had a thumbs up from dad, he was good. I'm gonna tell you this: if you're good with God, you're good. When you have the peace of God, listen, the world didn't give it to you. Don't let the world take it from. Come on now. Mm -mm -mm. We still got an answer on the board. Oh, my goodness. Let me get the band out here. Has this been helpful today? Okay, the last thing, the last thing, the last thing. Finally, number five. When, when you've done all of these things, check this out. You've prayed for wisdom, you've checked your heart, you've counted the cost, and you're weighing the peace of God. Finally, number five, surrender the outcome to Him. Did that make the board? Come on, somebody say surrender. Now, this is where I want you to feel release in your soul. Don't be so bottled up thinking, Man, I'm going to make the wrong decision. Are there, there's so much confusion. What if I mess it up? Listen to this scripture. I want you to hear this. I want to close right here. Proverbs 16, The Bible says this. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Did you know that's in the Bible? Hey, Pastor, read that again. We may throw the di-. Are you advocating that we can gamble? I'm not saying you need to run straight from church over to the casino. I'm not saying that. Not saying that. I want you to hear this. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Let me close with this, okay? This, you're going to like this. Check this out. If you can hold still just for another moment, you're going to like this. In the Old Testament, when big decisions had to be made, whether a king would go to war or how to replace someone on their staff. They would cast lots. How many have heard that phrase before? Casting lots. It would almost be like, you know, yeah, we got sticks here. Who's going to draw the short end of the stick? Or, you know, man, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You know, they, they would kind of throwing the dice. You know, okay, oh, I need snake eyes. Okay, yes. They, when they've done all their diligence, they would cast lots. And they use that as a means of discerning the sovereignty of God. And so, important decision, because God would determine how the the dice would land. And they said, okay, if this is how it landed, then this must be the will of God. In fact, if you read it in Scripture, in the book of Acts, when the very last time we read about the church casting lots, it was to replace Judas as the final disciple. Remember after Judas had betrayed Jesus and he went and hanged himself, and so they went from 12 down to 11, and so now this is in the book of Acts, first chapter, second chapter. They're trying to figure out, okay, we've got we to replace Judas. What are we going to do? The Bible says they cast lots. And so Matthias was chosen to replace Judas. Now, that's the very last time you'll ever read in the scriptures of anybody casting lots to determine God's will. Why don't we cast lots anymore? Why don't we throw the dice? because we have the Holy Spirit. Listen, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and now you have the all-knowing, all-loving, all-sovereign God that lives inside of you. You see, Jesus was no longer with them, but by His Spirit, He was in them. So you don't even have to cast lots or throw the dice. This scripture is talking about the sovereignty of God. And I want you to know that as you're making decisions, when you apply these four things, you've prayed for wisdom, you've checked your heart, you're counting the cost, and you're determining, Lord, where is the peace of Jesus? then you make that decision and bless God, you move forward with no regret because God is sovereign. Can I have a good amen? Come on, do you receive that today? Put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.